0: Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where we introduce you to interesting people and their inspiring stories. From Grace professors, current students, and distinguished alumni, to special guests and speakers on our campus, you can meet new people and hear how they are impacting the world around them. This podcast is recorded and produced at Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today's guest is Tanya Fawcett, the Director of Library Services here at Grace. Tanya is married to Dr. Jeff Fawcett, Dean of the School of Business, mother to four children, grandmother to seven. She received her BA in English from Cedarville College and her Master of Library Science at the University of Maryland. And she's passionate about information literacy. And I think we'll learn today she has some thoughts about AI as well. But first, I have to ask you a really important question. Um, If you think back over your career and Mm -hmm. the two libraries that you've worked at on college campuses, Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you think of anyone that was a particularly outstanding student worker in the library that you had at some point in your past?
1: You know, Every student worker is, is wonderful, right? We couldn't do our jobs without them. But there, there was a young man who um, would get up very, very early in the morning and go all across campus to make sure the technology was working and ready for the faculty, because at that time, the library was responsible for all the tech in the classroom. And that young man was a Drew. Flam.
0: That's right. I used to work <laughs> in the library uh, back at Cedarville where yes. you were for many years and I was a student. And um, so I got my my understanding of tech and mm-hmm. library from getting up very early, early to go make sure all the computers in the classroom work. So, well, uh, speaking of your story, wh- where did you grow up? And then mm-hmm. how, did, um, how did library become a part of your story of like, hey, this is a career that sure. I want to pursue? Okay.
1: Well, I'm actually an Indiana gal, didn't live here long as an infant, but uh, I was born in East Chicago. And then my parents moved to Grand Rapids soon after I was born. And um, another part of my story is my dad and my brother are both engineers. So I grew up in an engineering family. So I thought kind of, you know, that might, I might go that direction. Um, but in high school, I had a work study um, job. And um, they gave it to me, and several months later, they, they canceled that, but they felt obligated to find a job for me, mm. because they had kind of contracted with me. So they put me in the library, like, okay. So I was working in the high school library, and I really enjoyed it, and uh, worked with some wonderful ladies. It was just a neat opportunity to, to impact even college students, or I mean high school students, and uh, they even gave me lots of responsibilities for a high school kid, which is amazing today. Um, so went off to college, was undeclared, started off as a science major, took those biology classes and um, chemistry, and it was okay, but I started thinking about my life about um, at the time I was dating um, my husband, Jeff, and, you know, can a mom be an engineer? You know, and at that time, it was kind of a really a traditional direction for, for um, women. And I knew I wanted to stay home with uh, my kids, at least at some point, like my mother had, and um, met with my advisor, uh, Dr. Johnson at the time, took care of all the undeclareds, and he said, "You know, look around, don't don't panic." Um, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I really enjoyed this job as a as a high school student." And he said, "Well, why don't you go talk to uh, Mr. Lynn Brock, director of the libraries?" So I went over and talked to him. You know, what does a librarian do? Right? Check out books. Right? That's all they do. And um, even with my little experience in the high school, I figured it wasn't a big deal. And uh, he was very patient with me. Told me it didn't matter what my undergrad was. You needed a master. You just needed a master's degree. So you had to get that master's degree. So, uh, and then it and the, pretty much on the spot. I don't know if it was that time or shortly after. He said, "Would you like a job in the library?" So I went from working in Chuck's, in the, which is a cafeteria, and. Uh, wearing a hairnet and a lovely smock to uh, working in the library and helping students and worked with some wonderful uh, adult staff and uh, other students and got my feet wet there at the college library. Um, But I knew right then that I needed to get my degree, uh, my master's degree. So it didn't matter what my undergrad was. So I went ahead and got an English degree. could sit around and read books, right? Right. How hard is that? Um, it wasn't easy, but I, I made it through. And then we did, um, we went off to Maryland after we got married. And I started at the University of Maryland a year after my undergrad. And um, it was, God provided a job there in um, Maryland. I worked for the Uh, the ECAC library, which was the Electromagnetic Compatibility Analysis Center. Okay. I learned to spell that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So it was tech services and they paid for my degree. So I tell students, you know, get a job in a library. Oftentimes they'll pay for your degrees. So worked uh, at night getting my degree. And then soon after we got our, uh, Jeff and I were both working on our master's, he at the University of Baltimore, me at the University of Maryland. Uh, Soon after that, Cedarville called Jeff, said, why don't you come on back? And um, then I started working part-time at the Cedarville Library uh, because I'd, at that time we had one child and then two more and then another. And uh, so I worked in the evenings. I called it my, it was my uh, time with the adults after spending all day with the kids. So college students were adults uh-huh. back then, right? <laughs> and um, it, it was a wonderful opportunity to, to work with students, work with wonderful people and learn and grow.
0: And then you came here to Grace and, and started um, soon after you arrived as the director.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, um, Jeff had uh, got an offer and came to Grace and our house hadn't sold and I didn't have a job. So I stayed in Ohio for, uh, for about six weeks. Um, you know, it's like, well, get a job or, you know, sell the, sell the farm, you know, sell. And um, Mr. Uh, Bill Darr had retired, and this job became open and put my application materials in and had a wonderful interview, and uh, they accepted me. And so we packed up uh, a couple of suitcases, and we lived at Dewart Lake at a cottage with some friends owned, lived there for a little while until we could get a house here in Winona Lake. So I've it is been a, it's been a God path, mm. and it's really been um, fun to be on. And I've really enjoyed it. And when I came to Grace, um, walked in and immediately embraced by the staff. Uh, I have to give a shout out to Rhoda. Um, she had also applied for the position. And um, I, I don't know how she felt, but I, I would think that would be a little hard. And she she literally embraced me. I walked in the first day, and she said, "Okay, Tanya, you've got a meeting in Indy in and uh next week. Uh, I've ordered your lunch. You will meet uh, these two ladies at Marsh, and uh, they'll they'll take you down." And I'm thinking, "What's a Marsh?" <laughs> uh, but we would carpool. We still we continue to carpool with librarians from AMBS and Goshen. Sometimes we add Bethel or Saint Mary's. So we carpool down to our meetings in Indy. And, uh, and working with Rhoda has, was, a, was a delight, uh, all the staff in the library. But Rhoda and I got to do wild things um, from, you know, arranging uh, the floors and, and taking care of all of the—making the, the facilities um, work well for our 21st century students to doing presentations and— um, I think the staff, in in my experience here, their first response has always been yes, not why, hmm. which scares me. Because I don't always have the best ideas, um, but I get a lot of great ideas from other libraries. Sure. And if it worked at other place, let's give it a try here and um, I have a staff of, of yes, and how can we do that? That's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, how library or being a library librarian, mm-hmm. how libraries have changed since sort of you started mm-hmm. into this field and what it looks like now.
1: Okay. I'm starting to feel old because yeah. when I started library school and my first jobs were actually typing catalog cards, and you know you could you had a library card for the initial book, uh-huh. and then you'd have a subject subject cards, but you only had two or three subjects, right? So you had to think, what are the most significant things about you this book? Put them in those
0: long, and those love drawers. Yes, those are like antiques now, right? They are. I mean, people yeah. really want those. Yeah.
1: Well, and our, uh, we get a lot of comments when tours come through the library. They've before I arrived, they took some of the old like catalog cards, and made them into end tables. Oh, so they Yeah, we've got a, we still have them around so. Um, Students don't know what they are, but like you said, jewelry, jewelry boxes, right? Or uh, toolboxes.
0: Yeah, toolboxes. Yeah, it has plenty of uses beyond uh, the Dewey Decimal System. Beyond the Dewey
1: (laughs) Decimal System. So, um, you know, and it was um, even before my time, I think about the the libraries were about the book, right? So... Ancient times, they would lock up the books. Books were very precious, and you couldn't. You went to the library, and you would read the book. But the book was was the library was the place to find a book. You didn't have bookshelves in your in your homes, so you had to go to get the book. And then um, we moved into the the library was a uh, so that was about the the reader right. They had to, to read. You had to go. Then it became about the book. We've all built these warehouses of books, books and more and more shows and and just pack the building full of books. You used to brag
0: about how many books do you High have books. in your library, right. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and the the biggest libraries had the biggest number of books, right? Mm-hmm. That was the most important thing. And if you think, about even maybe when you went to school. I mean, that was it, just shelves and shelves, and maybe there would be a desk in
0: the corner here and there. It's like the place you go to get knowledge.
1: Right, right, yeah. And um, it was about the book. Uh, journals were important, but journals and books, print, the print word. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I remember when the, the Internet came, and the gopher, right, uh, from Minnesota, and um, before World Wide Web, I mean, it was we would use it, that we could access things, and it's like, okay, well, this we would try to organize the, the libraries. We're trying to organize the the web, and um, so we're all about organizing things, right? Can't can't just let it lay there. You have to organize it. Um, but so it was about. And again, there's there's the laws of of libraryship, and it it's finding the reader, finding the book. But it was a very physical place, physical place, physical resources. So. Um, you know, and today when, when you bring in the internet, all of a sudden it is it is the physical reader. You still need the books, but now the books are offered in different formats. Maybe they're audio streaming audio books, right, or e-books. Um, there's information, obviously, everybody knows about searching Google. I just heard yesterday, and I need to investigate, so it's, it's just something I heard for the first time from another librarian that students are not doing research on Google anymore. They're now doing their research on TikTok.
0: Oh, wow. Which. That's a new level. That's a new
1: level. That that scares me a bit, you know, so finding out what that means. So, um, yeah, we've had to grow. Um, Librarians are all about discovery, and I I think I have been that way. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's the new thing? Um, I was able to, you know, bring up an app early on uh, when I was at Cedarville. We, We... Contracted with a company and made an app for the library, so it's it's all about change and moving. Constant change, and if you're not comfortable with change, this is the wrong field.
0: <laughs> and I think you said uh, once to me that the physical space of a library, you know, it used to be the library was for the book. Mm-hmm. And now the library is for the learner. Exactly. And so when you think about the Grace Library mm-hmm. from from when you came mm-hmm. to now, mm-hmm. what are some things that you have done? Because I hear this some from alums who, you know, the outside of the library kind of looks the same, mm-hmm. but then they go on the inside and they're like, this doesn't look the same. And like, where are all the books? Where are the books? Um, so what has changed and what are some things that you've done to our library mm-hmm. on our campus to make that shift from being a warehouse for books mm-hmm. to a place where people go to learn, where mm-hmm. students go to learn? Yeah.
1: Again, partnerships. So with Poundy, we were able to analyze every book we had in the collection to find out if we were the only ones that owned that book, which obviously is rare, and you and want to Pounding keep it.
0: Essentially, is the
1: private academic library network of Indiana. Yeah, 24 libraries here in Indiana uh, work very well together. Uh, sharing collections sharing staff sharing resources which we- means
0: from a like a resource standpoint if if we have the book and all other 24 libraries have the book it's kind of like do we need that or right. you know if we have the book and and they need the book we can we can give it sure. to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a system set up so that that pops up immediately. And we, I don't want to say that everybody else races to the shelf to send it to us because we need it. But, you know, we have maybe two copies and there's a commitment, and a collaboration that we will supply that library to, or that book to that other library um, fast. And we have a delivery service mm-hmm. that, um, that cares for that. So, um, you know we we were able to go through the collection and say, "You know what? We don't need all these books. I know that sounds really harsh, uh, especially to people, bibliophiles, you know <laughs> we want to keep those books. But um, just like your garden, you need to go through and pull out the weeds so the flowers and the vegetables can thrive. So we wanted to showcase the really important stuff that grace, was known for, and Grace needed to have for the, what we teach here, and then the other things um, we could let go, and um, so that allowed us to have some, some space. Um, we worked with a, um, uh, I'm going to say, a office supply company, we had a couple of them come in, and I said, I don't have a lot of money, but I need a vision. I, I'm not visionary, as but I know that that those that kind of thing is important. So give us a vision of what we could do if I spent just five thousand dollars a year over a period of five years. What could we do with this space to make it more for the learner and less for the book? And uh, one gal came back from from uh, um, she lives in South Bend. And she worked for a a company that we've worked with here on campus. And um, it was a wonderful vision. She gave us several options. And I was like, we could do this. And we could take our own furniture and our own resources and make it more open and available for uh, our students to learn and collaborate with and have some synergy there on campus, which we really did last night. But we won't go there right now. And um, so we, we did the collection. We were able to buy some compact shelving, and we moved all of the bound periodicals that we needed to keep. We needed to keep bound periodicals because nobody else had these resources, couldn't afford to make them all available online, and move those to the lower level. That was the summer when the elevator broke. Hmm. And we had to move all of these (laughs) books to the lower level. Fizz Plant built us a book slide. And we would slide the books down the slide and the students put them on a cart and then go put them on the... the wow. it, was, it, was a, it was a fun summer. Uh, we had some hardworking students. Um, and so that was the one summer we opened up on the main floor. A fist plan also took our end panels, the things that cover the ends of the shelves, and um, made them into tabletops for or shelf tops and cut down our shelves to be about four foot high so, there were several areas now that allow us to see right through to the beautiful windows in the building. But those used to be real tall shelves. Mm-hmm. they're now they're now short. Um, we took some of our tables that we had already and moved them around so that they um, are centered on a pole where there's electricity, need more electricity. Can't have enough electricity in today's environment and um and got some brightly colored furniture. Uh, again, over a period of time, mm-hmm. uh, also at close to that time, they just, the campus decided to move the learning center into the library, a great synergy. So they are part of us. That is disability services. That is um, academic support. So that's tutoring, uh, academic fundamentals for college, the math lab, and the writing lab. And, again, we go to the library to learn, to learn, to f- learn, um, how to do things. And um, so we had all of those tutors, the research help in one place. So that allowed us to put some more uh, tables up for all of
0: that. Well, let me ask you then, just uh, mm-hmm. you know, as we kind of wrap up, and I know we could talk forever <laughs> ever about, you know, the the changes in the library, and we certainly encourage alums and others to come check it out. It's, it's open to the public to be able to kind of see it, and I, I have not walked by, especially those big windows, and not seen students sitting there studying. While they're looking out the windows, uh, it has become a place where, and I think you even have uh, set some records recently mm-hmm. for how many students have been in a library at one time, mm-hmm. um, because they study in groups, they study individually. It's mm-hmm. it's and and students this day, um, socializing and studying are commingled. Those mm-hmm. aren't separate. Things So even, you know, you allow water and coffee in the library, which that used to be a no-no mm-hmm. back in the day. But it's become a social place mm-hmm. and a learning place. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we look into the future, I was just you, – you, we mentioned AI at the beginning. Um, and so, you know, this next mm-hmm. – whatever it is going to be generative AI and Mm -hmm. how that's already impacting campuses. And what, what, what are you as a library and as someone who um, thinks about how we think and Mm -hmm. thinks about how we learn, what are you learning about AI? Mm -hmm. What do you think about AI? You know, even from a Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. what should be some of our, some of our thoughts around Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence
1: well, I say I'm still learning, right? There's so much to learn, and um, I feel like um, I'm, I'm getting behind every day because there are things that are happening. But I, I start learning. I learn from other people. And um, actually, I'm interested in studying the ethics of technology and the ethics of this this artificial intelligence. And there's some people that are writing and, and speaking about this. So I'm excited about that. I'm I'm also excited about... How AI can help us? AI—I think it was just yesterday—a um, president po- posted something in Christian Scholars Review about
0: Kevin Brown from Asbury. Yes,
1: great article. yeah. Is AI? AI is probably going to take over. We're going to let it take over, and and I'm afraid of the the the. I want to say the dumbing down, right? God made us as thinking human beings. He gave us the charge in the Garden of Eden to have dominion, right? So we need to use the God-given brains that we've been given um, to learn, to explore, to create, and then to use things in an appropriate way. Information literacy is about finding resources and then using them in a in an appropriate and legal and ethical way. Um, that was in the late 70s. They came up with that, and it, it's, it's been evolving. Then we have media literacy. How do we consume media? Uh, a lot of times students don't do research on advertising to children, right? But what about advertising to adults and advertising to, um, you know, different populations? Media literacy. How do we consume media? Uh, how much time do we spend on our screens? And now it's, uh, there's a, a gal, Amanda Wheatley, that I listened to yesterday, talking about artificial intelligence um, literacy. How do we consume, use appropriately in an ethical and legal manner? Do we even know when AI is working? Uh, we have our our speakers right in our homes, and you know, hey, hey, Google, play this, right? Um, hey, Alexa, order me this. AI is already at work. We've we've got it in our things, but do we realize how we're using it and how it, how um, others are using our data? Privacy is a big concern. Um, you know, sometimes we're like we were concerned uh, early on about our kids' social security numbers getting out there. There's so much more that, I'm gonna say, big tech, uh, the the big data that's being collected, that knows about us even more than we know about ourselves. Um, You've heard those stories where, um, well, I'm not gonna go that far. You've um, been searching in Google and all of a sudden, the next day, the next hour, you have advertisements mm-hmm. for that same oh, thing, yeah, yeah. right? Or sometimes so,
0: you even like think it and you're like, uh, that's when it gets... <laughs> or a
1: conversation in in your home, yeah. right? And it's like, so how much... I, so there, there does, it used to be mail would come because they would figure things out about your right, age, right. right? We're getting retirement stuff these days. <laughs> but there are things that, that, that they use, the big data use to then... Sent to us. So, are we smart enough? We are smart enough. We just have to engage. So, I think there's a lot of opportunity with AI, but we have to we have to be willing to experiment and uh, learn about it rather than run from it.
0: And. So, not be don't don't, not be scared, right? As believers, uh, we believe the Lord is sovereign. He's sovereign over all things, including technology. Yes. Um. And and He has called us to be wise. Yes. So how do we use the how do we use artificial intelligence? Not run from it in Mm -hmm. a wise, ethical, biblical manner. Mm -hmm. Um. And that is extremely complex. Mm Um, and so we're thankful for you know those who have the job of helping us learn how to learn, um, filter information, mm-hmm. access information, but in a way that that is you know biblical and ethical. So thank you for the way you and your your team do that.
1: thank you it it it's fun. It is fun. Um, and we have a wonderful team and um, not been bored for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing some about the library. Um, if someone wanted to find out more about Morgan Library, mm-hmm. what what's the best way to do it?
1: Well, uh, we have a website. Surprise, surprise! Uh, www.grace.edu/library. It's that easy. And um, I say the the website is our virtual library. Um, there is a, there are a lot of things there that are not in the physical library. Uh, Three quarters of our book collection, at least, are Hmm. e-books. 99% of our journal articles are e-articles. So um, now visitors can't always access the things that we have, licenses that you can't access uh, as a non gray student or faculty member. But there's all sorts of other information. Our archives, we're putting more archives up there, Um, information about us who to contact, um, some pictures. Yeah, but you know what? Another way is to just to walk in. We love it. I love to give tours um, and meet people. Met some wonderful alumni that have come through just to to check out the place, to check out Grace, because it's been a few years, and they have wonderful stories as well, and to hear uh, their experiences. I hear stories about moving the library, the physical books from... um, McLean down the wintry hill, oh yeah, into the the new library. Um, stories of people that have worked there, uh, and we have treasures, treasures of that building. Uh, the Billy Sunday collection. Uh, we have some scrolls. We have some rare books that uh, people have collected for through the years. And I give credit to all my predecessors because that has not been my. Um, my gifting. Hmm. But um, we have some wonderful treasures in the physical resources and in the people.
0: Good. Well, thank you so much for your work on our campus and the way you love love students well by helping them learn well. So, uh, mm-hmm. And thank you to all of you for listening to the Grace Story podcast today. We would appreciate it if you would like, share, comment on this wherever you may find it. If you have any questions, you can send those to podcast at grace.edu. Thank you to Avery and Rick mm-hmm. for their work producing this podcast. And we hope wherever you are, you have a great Grace Story today.